As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The producers of this podcast recognize the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable for children. 
Alison Russell has been waiting six years for justice for her daughter. Would have to have been one of the strongest people I've ever known and, that, and everybody who knew her would have said that same thing about her. Kira Lee McLaughlin was found unconscious in her bed in 2014 at a rural property near Gympie with 105 bruises from head to toe. Today, Deputy State Coroner Jane Bentley found the person most likely to have inflicted the injuries was the 27-year-old's de facto partner, Paul McDonald, who she was living with at Wolvi. It was above what I expected um, to be handed down. The inquest found Ms McLaughlin died from injuries inflicted on her by Mr McDonald on July 16, most likely a brain injury caused by pressure to her throat. Coroner Bentley says it occurred after an argument where Ms McLaughlin told him she wanted to end the relationship. I find that Mr McDonald has a propensity to inflict severe physical violence on his partners and is a habitual perpetrator of severe and domestic abuse, including coercive control of his partners. Mr McDonald failed to call for medical assistance until 2pm the following day. Ms McLaughlin died in hospital from swelling of the brain. No one has ever been charged over the 27-year-old's death. A podcast helped drive a push for the coronial inquest, which began last year. That podcast is Beenham Valley Road, which we've talked about before on Australian True Crime, and I know many of you are fans as well. Today we hear from the host of that podcast, Jamie Pultz, and we'll talk about that inquest, which finished just days ago. Jamie's got an update, and he also talks about where to from here in the case of Kira McLaughlin. But first, we need a recap. Jamie and I recorded a chat about Kira's story and about his podcast, Beenham Valley Road, just for our patrons almost a year ago. So we'll share a little bit of that conversation to remind ourselves how far this story has come and how many people have been fighting for Kira since 2014. Basically, to to put a long story short, what happened was I was in my first year in 2013 at Gympie Police Station, which is about an hour and a half north of Brisbane, and it's sort of like it's rural, you know, it's like country. And basically I was working there and I I was exposed to um, a few incidents domestic violence related and the person that I was dealing with um, that was calling for service was Kira McLaughlin at the time she was 27 she was a mother of four and I could relate to her because I was 27 and I had uh, one son at the time and so when when I was dealing with her I wasn't dealing with the normal you know clients that we would deal with as as police officers I'm sure she had her faults and stuff like that but for me she was just like me you know 27 and a mother and I was a father and I I could relate to her and anyway I dealt with the incidents that were in front of me and then probably six months later I heard when I was sitting in Gympie I can remember it exactly I was sitting in the Gympie police station and I heard someone say Kira's died and it just it just floored me because I thought, shit, this is serious, you know. Like this is being a police officer is pretty serious. You deal with these things, and if you don't get it right, 
the consequences can be this bad. And that just stuck with me ever since and I've thought about it ever since. And then a few months later I got sent to uh, a different station and so I sort of fell out of touch with that. And then when I left the police, I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a look at this and I contacted Tom, my other police mate who left, and he remembered it. And from there we just started reaching out to people from Facebook and where we went. It's a good story in that it also reminds people who aren't in the police about how intense the job is because that's what it's like, I guess, the days that you rock up to work and find out that someone's died, someone that you remember really clearly for, for these reasons, various reasons. You you can picture her, you, you picture her house, her home, her children, her family. Exactly. And the yeah. worst has happened. Exactly. And it stays with you, you know, and it wasn't, it was nothing that, like, it wasn't my fault or anything. I don't, no. you know, but you do, you know, you do think, could I have done something different? You know, and Tom, Tom was the same, you know, could we have intervened in another way? And I know that the police have different programs in place now where they're trying to intervene um, with respondents, you know, earlier to see if they can put some measures in place to stop this sort of thing from happening. But at the end of the day, we will never stop domestic violence um, because there's so many variables, but we do need to educate, you know, both parties involved and try and find ways that, you know, the aggrieved, which is usually, usually not always, but usually the female, ways that they can reach out and find help because there is help there. But from my experience in, you know, doing this podcast, the hardest thing for the, for the aggrieved or, you know, the person being subjected to domestic violence is they have the hardest time actually saying they need help. It's like pride gets in the way. That's my experience anyway. Yeah, no, I've, I've heard a lot of people say the same thing, particularly when your family and friends are telling you over the course of sometimes years that they don't like him or um, I wish you'd stop going out with him, I wish you'd leave him and you don't, yeah, it can be hard to then go to them when you're in trouble. And in your podcast, you talk to Kira's mum, Alison, a lot. Yeah. A week later, we are pulling into the driveway of Alison's house. It's a large Queenslander on a nice bit of land. It has a block base with an open carport, and the house itself sits on top. There are fruit trees all around it, and behind the carport is a garden Alison has created to honour Kira's memory. Alison looks like she sounds... She has kind, dark eyes, dark hair, and a warm smile. She looks like Kira's mum. Tom and I are aware that by talking to her, we are asking her to relive part of her life that still hurts like hell. But despite all that, she welcomes us back to her house, like her own grandkids. I can't even think of words to describe her. She was out there. She was afraid of nothing. Fearless fly. You couldn't not notice her. You know, she was loud and she was opinionated and she was unique. (laughs) Definitely would cover it, yes. We got a phone call from the next-door neighbour and she said, Kira's just been taken away in an ambulance. They don't think she'll be coming back. So that was all I knew. Then I had to wait for her to get to Gympie Hospital. I rang Gympie Hospital and they really couldn't tell me too much. And then next thing I find out, she's going to be flown to Gold Coast Hospital because they couldn't get her into other hospitals who had CAT scanners. They needed to do a a CAT scan on her brain and they didn't have one at Gympie. Yeah, so she got to the Gold Coast Hospital at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's when I spoke to the doctor and he was very apologetic and said basically that's that's it 
The next door neighbour who'd rung us, I was in no fit state to drive, so I couldn't get to the hospital. So she was going to give me a lift down there. So I got down there. Kira had actually already been declared legally dead and they were only keeping her alive for her organs at that stage. How is she travelling now? Yeah, I, I don't think she's terrific, to be honest. Um, she, I spoke to her, I speak to her quite, you know, quite often on the phone or, you know, through text messaging. But um, she was, it's definitely done a lot of good for her to have the podcast. Um, she's told me that she does feel a lot of relief um, in expressing what's what's happened and having the support and having the coronial about to happen and, and you never know what will happen after that. So she does feel good about that. But I think at the same time, it now that it's stopped and I've finished the podcast for the moment until there's something else to report on, I, I think that's kind of made her feel, I don't know, like deflated maybe. Um, yeah. It's all stopped and she doesn't want anyone to forget about Kira, which is, you know, rightfully so. And she doesn't want everyone just to move on, you know, just to go, okay, that was one podcast, let's let's go to the next one. She wants people to remember Kira and she doesn't want to be, Alison doesn't want pity, she just wants people to remember Kira and to hopefully avoid situations like this in the future. Did you launch a campaign just before Christmas? I think I read on your social media for Alison and the kids. So, Alison, does she have Kira's four kids now? No, Alice, uh, Kira's ex-husband before all this happened has the four kids, ah, right? Um, but Alison is is involved with the with the with the grandkids, and actually Katie, who is one of the guests on my podcast um, in episode nine, watch the world burn. She was Jason's ex of like thirteen years. Anyway, she's the one who started the fundraiser for Alison and the grandkids. For those of our listeners who haven't heard you yet, and I know that we'll rush to listen to your podcast. So Jason's the name you've given to the alleged perpetrator. Yep. So his ex-partner is actually now involved in supporting Kira's children. Yeah, because it's, it's quite a, um, a tangled rope, this one. Katie was Jason's partner at the time and Katie and Kira became friends. And then Katie uh, noticed that Kira and uh, Jason started flirting or showing signs of a relationship. So that happened under her nose and it was a classic example of, you know, domestic violence because you're just he just does what he wants anyway so it's quite it's quite a weird dynamic but yeah katie's got involved and she's raised money for allison to buy christmas presents for her kids uh, grandkids and yeah which is just it's really good to see at the beginning of your podcast we met allison mm -hmm. kira's mum and she couldn't even say this man's name she couldn't even use the fake name that you'd given him she was calling him it and she didn't know anything about where he was at that time. She seemed so lost and so hopeless. And then you popped up and you were sort of a ray of hope in that it felt like somebody cared and somebody was offering to try and do something. And then you were able to give her some news that was shocking, but it was sort of positive, wasn't it, the news that you gave her about Jason's location? Yeah, because she had been, uh, you know, unaware of that. And when I called her to say, do you know where Jason is at the moment? She didn't know. And I, I'd found out through a different source and I confirmed that by calling prisoner locations that he was incarcerated. And I didn't know what for and I don't know how much longer for, but anyway, he was in jail and that was a great sign of relief. It was that little bit step closer, I guess, for Alison to put in, you know, into perspective for your listeners 
for lack of a bit of a word, this guy's been walking around in the public without this incident catching up with him and to, f- to find out that he was in jail was just like a breath of fresh air for her to think that, okay, it might not be for my daughter's death but it's for something. So I'll take some relief in that and that's how she felt. And that for that period of time he wasn't bashing anyone else. Oh, yeah, exactly. After the break, we catch up with Jamie Pultz again to find out where we are now. And for one thing, we no longer have to refer to Kira's partner by the pseudonym Jason. Thank you to patrons Simon Finn, Sean Mays, Julie Turnbridge, Catherine Rose, Blair Adams and Hayley Briggs. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many things have changed since Jamie Pultz and I last spoke about the Kira McLaughlin matter. Most notably, her partner is now openly named, whereas before he was referred to by the pseudonym Jason. The man's name is Paul McDonald. And he was named just last week by Queensland's Deputy State Coroner, Jane Bentley, as the person who instigated the death of Kira McLaughlin by causing her more than 100 injuries. I caught up with Jamie Pultz again today. He's the host of that podcast, Beenham Valley Road, and it was a very big part of the push for a new inquest. Congratulations. Well done. Oh, thank you. Yes. It's just um, unbelievable, you know. It was a goal to start with and to actually finally be at this point now. It's just a dream come true, really. Well, it started in September 2020. You know, it's now June, so it's not quite a year. But then the last day of when they did the submissions at the coroner's court in Brisbane, that was um, in April, actually on Kira's birthday. Wow. And 
apparently she takes about three months to hand her findings down, but she was pretty quick. The state state coroner, deputy state coroner. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, it's really good. And you know, uh, when we were listening to the findings with uh, Alison's lawyer and Alison, you can see how distraught she was. Just you know, it's kind of like this nervous tension in the air. Just everything rides on this one moment. Like, is it going to be good news or bad news, or just in the middle there? And it would turn out to be great news. So. Yeah, because that's the other thing. We've heard about inquests that have delivered nothing, really, that families have gone through this entire process and then the coroner's just basically said the same thing that's always been said and the family's walked out with nothing. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean anything's going to change, but in this case it did. Yeah. So like, she didn't make any recommendations that he be charged. However, in her 55-page findings, uh, she does say that the police, you know, have been investigating and will continue to do so, so... Yeah, but I think once this is all out in the media now and everyone's going to see it, yeah. I feel like it's going to be pushed. So I've been messaging with Alison today. She hasn't been able to talk to me yet because she's got had her grandkids all day. Mm. But mm-hmm. she has said to me, have you seen the Courier Mail? Have you seen page 16 and 17? And I haven't because it's, I don't even know if it is mm. there because I can't find it. Can you tell us what they have printed? I know that the findings are significant. I know that certainly Kira's partner has been named. Yeah, well, I can read it for you because I, I had the same thing. When when Alison said, have you seen the paper? I tried to log on to the Courier Mail and look at it, but you have to pay for it. And I was happy to do that. But then it said error. Yeah, something. I couldn't even get it. Oh, I just gave up. And uh, anyway, but Alison has sent me a summary of it. So let me just read it. Great. If that's okay. Mm, please. That so, way we can't get into trouble either. If we just read what they've written, then we can't get into trouble for saying anything we're not meant to. Yeah. So from the... Sunday Mail, I believe it was. Coroner Jane Bentley said Paul McDonald's criminal history revealed him to be a serial perpetrator with more than 70 convictions for domestic violence-related offending. 70, that's 7-0 if you misheard that. His history of violence was revealed in the inquest through ex-partners and police records. These are examples of abuse detailed in the coroner's findings. So he details against Kira. He's got, she's got several incidents that you can go and read, but it'll take me a while to read. Mm. Uh, and then against uh, another witness, his ex-girlfriend before that, who we've spoken to, but they've called her Kay in this. Mm-hmm. Um, 32 calls uh, for the police attended 32 calls while they were together. Wow. Over their 10-year relationship. You know, he punched her in the face. Um, he's threatened to kill her. He's grabbed her by the throat. There's been stabbings. There's, yeah, it's just, it's, in, it's insane. But the real takeaway from the coroner's court without going through the whole 55 pages was that how she died is in the last page. Mrs. McLaughlin died from injuries inflicted on her by Paul McDonald between 9.30 PM and 11.30 PM on the 16th of July, 2014. It is probable that he struck her to the face, struck her to the head and choked her. It is most likely that she died from a brain injury caused by pressure applied to her throat, i.e. choking, which resulted in venous occlusion. Wow. Yep, that's it. That's the key paragraph. Mm. So, I mean, a coroner determines how someone died and she's determined that the injuries inflicted on her by Paul, by her partner, mm. has killed her. Because up until now, what was the finding before this? that No charges were ever laid against him or anyone in her death. What was the cause of death on her death certificate before this? I've forgotten. It just said brain injury, like a swelling in the brain. Yeah. Thing. So it was like she may have fallen over. She may have, there was no, yeah. Kind of, yeah. So during the inquest, we had like two or three neuro 
surgeons and brain specialists and, and they basically broke it down and, and said there had to have been a secondary mechanism, not just hitting her head, there had to be something else, i.e. choking. Uh, and you don't have to have marks or damage to the throat to be choked. You can just cut the blood off. And so that's kind of where they were going with that. And it does line up with some of his history. There's lots of those types of behaviours in his history. Yeah, so the coroner heard all that. She, the, the other good thing was, you know, Tamika, the sister, had thought it might have been her. And so she's she's not Kira's sister. Tamika's the sister of that's his sister, Tamika. Tamika is Paul's sister. Mm-hmm. So that's right. I remember seeing on Australian Story and also hearing in your podcast that she was present on the night. And yeah, and they'd had an altercation, and for a mm. long time she thought she had somehow inflicted this injury. Mm, because she had punched her four times. I mean, Kira had allegedly come to her and that's what the other witnesses said as well and tried to attack her. So Tamika defended herself and hit her four times approximately, knocking her down, maybe losing consciousness for just a split second, but apparently jumping straight back up. And that's what all the witnesses have said. And the specialists, the uh, medical professionals who gave advice, our evidence said, look, this injury needs to, this death needs to have had a period of unconsciousness for mm-hmm. the swelling to increase. And, you know, from just to get a little head hit and getting up doesn't account for that. There's, there's, there's more to it. So, so that she basically struck out or dismissed any of those claims that Tamika might have done it. I'm sure she had a fight with her, but didn't kill her. So it was a violent environment, certainly. And um, I guess a certain amount of desensitization to violence. In, mm-hmm. this, in this environment among this group of people. But certainly above and beyond that, this offender is committing acts much more violent. And ultimately the coroner has found that after that fist fight between the two women, he has then committed a very much more violent attack on Kira. Is that Ex- what she's exactly. saying? Exactly right. Exactly right. And she goes through a whole bunch of scenarios. It's very, it's very well, like it's in a timeline. It's all pretty precise. It's there's evidence to say that she might have been struck with a baseball bat and they go into how that happened. And wow. there's evidence to say that it could have been a broomstick and hitting your head into the toilet wall because there was a hole in the toilet wall and there was red paint in that hole and there was red paint through the house and through Kira's hair. And so that all that stuff is very probable. Uh, I guess the, the main thing people need to understand is that this is on the balance of probabilities in a coroner's court, whereas criminal court is beyond reasonable doubt. Yes, so, very different, very different level of proof that needs to be. So this yeah. is why it's not an automatic procedure from here that this man is charged, isn't it? No, it's not automatic. Yeah, I mean, the coroner could have recommended that he be charged, but mm. she didn't. But I think she just feels that, well, I can't speak for her, but she probably just thinks that if they have enough, they'll go for it. And if not, they'll keep working towards it. But also the prosecution needs to be satisfied that they can justify putting him in front of a jury. Yeah. Potentially. Because it has and, to go back to the DPP from here, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. And you never know. It might go to another set of eyes. It could go to the homicide specialists, you know, in in, oh. in Brisbane. It might not go back to the same people. Who knows? But I Gosh. think the coroner's inquest brought out stuff we hadn't heard before. Well, I certainly hadn't heard, but I don't know if the police had heard that same stuff. But Well, that's not part of a, an inquest too, isn't it, is that the coroner can compel people to come and give evidence that even the homicide squad can't. So mm-hmm. she can sort of force people to come into a court situation and give evidence where the cops can't. Yeah. 
That's so, correct. So that's the aim is that she should have been able to extract some some evidence and testimony that hasn't been heard before. Yeah, exactly. And and not only that, I think the the different medias, you know, like the podcast and Australian mm. Story, I think that because even when I was speaking to people and then I spoke to those same people with Australian Story, more details come out. So yes. I think it's like the more they talk about it and the more they, because a lot of them have kind of like put it in the back of their head. Mm. And I'm sure some of the key players who were actually there that night are the same. Yep. And so there's no harm in just talking to people again and again. So who knows if the, if the police have spoken to, you know, Paul or to make a sense and maybe they've found other parts of the missing pieces for the puzzle and mm. who knows. But I'm really happy that we got this far. Yeah, I think that even you're talking to the, the previous partner, to Paul's previous partner, I think that hearing from her and some time had passed for her and she had gained some confidence in herself. She was living a different life and she was looking back on her relationship with him in a very different way. And she had really gained some strength and she said as much. She said that, you know, she could never have spoken about that relationship earlier. No. Nah. You know, and so she was then able to really add a lot of context to his relationship with Kira. And that was just so important, wasn't it? Jason's dad called me and then he had told me Kira had passed away. I was just a broken mess. It had been approximately 10 months since the children and I had escaped from Jason. The entire time I was with him, I was fearful for my life. Trying to escape, trying to leave, is the most dangerous time because they've lost their control. They become more aggressive, more violent, more persistent on gaining that control again. So if that control that they've lost is over you, they will try and kill you because they've lost the control. I warned her a few times and she did confide in me that he was being physically abusive to her. I do hate myself because I survived and Kira didn't. It's something that always sits with me, is it should have been me and not her. Yeah, Katie is just a amazing, remarkable human being. I have yeah. so much respect for her, for her to come through what she's been through and get up there. And, and for me especially and for a lot of other people, when people say, why don't they just leave the relationship? Mm. You know, it's, it's their own fault. Well, someone who's lived it can say, well, it's not that easy because they they break you down. They they take away your friends. They make you feel like you're mentally not there. They make you feel like you're you're at fault and you're the cause of it and they gaslight you they'll um you'll have to second guess your own version of events and go hang on did i really do that or did i say that she said it was just absolute mind fuckery you know mm -hmm. like just just could not mm. the way he can manipulate and spin things and and, and then she they... talked about those other stresses like the fact that they were so poor that she was just so focused on trying to have enough food for her kids every day like oh. stresses like that were overwhelming her mm -hmm. so to focus on other things was impossible. That That's mindfuckery. I mean, mm. th that keeps kept her so downtrodden. Oh yeah. Know. Take, taking the, the, you know, the money they received from, from Centrelink because yeah. she couldn't, didn't have a license, couldn't drive or anything like that. Taking that money and spending it on piss and uh, weed. Mm. And so she'd have to f make sugar cookies and try and feed the kids for three days or a loaf of bread. Like it's just dreadful. Yeah. And I, I think you'd have to be, 
you wouldn't be a human if you had, if you looked at that and said, well, why don't you just leave? Like you've got to, you got to realize that if they could just leave, they would. And it took her years to get an escape plan, you know? Yeah. How low, how low do you feel as a mother and how ashamed of yourself? And how do you go and admit that to somebody that. um, Exactly. And that's what she said. Yeah. You have to like, she had to be ready to put her hand up and say, look, I'm in a really shitty situation here and I can't do this on my own. Mm. It's like telling someone you've got like a drug problem or something like it's that, it's that big. You got to say, look, I've got a real problem here. I can't do this on my own. And I think that was what I took away from Katie. But then speaking to you gave her that, I guess getting out of that situation gave her that bit of extra confidence. And then bit by bit over the years, she found her way back. She rebuilt. And then talking to you gave her that bit of extra confidence. And so by the time this inquest came about, she had rebuilt so much to a level where she was able to give evidence and testimony that she couldn't give exactly five and six years ago you know and when she's when she was speaking up there she spoke with confidence and authoritative voice you know she really just knocked it out of the park so time changes things mm, and she's got great great kids a great partner yeah. and you know we stay in touch and she's a she's a real testament to you know it's a shame that that kira's life ended at 27 but it's you know, you look at the other side, well, look, look, look where Katie and her family is now. And, you know, like mm. one positive thing to come out of it is that she's been able to live a, a fulfilling life now and, and leave her 10 years of hell behind. Yeah, those two women are sort of the different sides of the same coin, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. So last time we spoke, Paul, I think Paul, the offender who is being talked about and is named by the coroner, uh, was in prison, I think. Mm, he's in prison, yeah, for, for other for other matters, not relating to Kira. No, no. So he's still there. He's still there. Uh, I don't know when oh, I did hear that he was supposed to be released, uh, you know, a while ago. So he could just be waiting on parole or probation, I don't know. So, But he's still there for the moment. But so. in the meantime, you've made another podcast, which was another mm. incredibly controversial, much more so, I would say. Yeah, you? definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> much more controversial case, the Leanne yeah. Holland case. How did that? How did that work out for you? Oh well, you know, we finished it, but uh, if any more information comes, we'll we'll definitely do another episode. But yeah, that was so controversial. I think I've I've told you this yeah. a few times, but yeah, just the haters you get on that one. I don't know. It just attracted a lot of negative feedback and, and and not just because of the podcast, but just they thought we were defending a child killer. Well, you know, we weren't. We were, this man's been, his conviction was quashed, so we should be treating him as if his conviction has been quashed, you know, like yeah. put yourself in their shoes, you know. It's like you've sort of done, you've sort of done both sides of the coin now. I feel like you, yeah. you know, you've worked on this one case that everyone's just championing you 100%. You're a hero. You're a hero. Yeah. And then you've done this other podcast where you've had like a big army of haters saying, hang on, you're supporting a child killer. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. so where are you at in terms of like, do you want to keep doing this kind of work or how has it affected your perspective? I definitely want to keep doing it. I will be very careful about what case I do and what <laughs> what strings are attached to it, so mm. to speak, because, you know, you want to help people. That's the, you, you do it because you want to help people. I mean, sure, it's entertainment, but you do want to make a difference and you do want to help someone. Um, 
because we've discussed it before. It's incredibly yeah. hard work. It's grueling. You mm. don't make any money out of it. Mm. So it's like you have to love it. You have to be loving it. Yeah. Well, I think there's, like, I get contacted a few times, you know, and I'm sure you do too, or you should do this case or you should do that case. And we do have a couple that we're looking at um, uh, well, that I've been, you know, quite keen on and when one of them's a missing person and there is just nothing, there's no evidence, there's just nothing. And that really intrigues me because where did this person go and they've just completely vanished. So that's something we're looking at doing uh, at 610 Media. and. I'm doing a mental health one uh, right now. I've done a couple of episodes, but they're not released yet. Uh, but that's just going to be a conversational-based thing like this, just talking to people who have had mental health but still managed to, you know, be successful in their jobs or careers or families and and not let it uh, destroy them, but they grow with it. So that's the whole purpose of that, and that's called Tear It Down. So it should be out in a matter of weeks. And because you've been so successful with, in particular, being in Valley Road, yeah, I can understand how a lot of people who are desperate for help will contact you, mm-hmm. you know, will think yeah. he can help. He can, maybe he can do for us what he's done for Kira's family. So that's a lot of yeah. pressure. And if there was enough hours in the day, yeah. yeah, sure. You know, I'd do it. Yeah. Or if I was ABC or Channel 7, you know, but yeah, it's basically just me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just one person. I, I find myself yeah. saying that so often. I'm just one person. Yeah. yeah, I'm just just one person. Yeah, that's just just one person in a big world. Yeah, trying to do your best. But you do a bloody great job too, though. So you should be proud of that. So do you. You've done such a great job, and mm. t- you know, take the moment. Just take the moment to just be proud of yourself. And it's the little podcast that could, and the little podcast that did is Beenham Valley Road. It's so great and I'm yeah. so proud of you and proud of it and it's ongoing and gosh, what a great thing you've done for Kira. And Thank you. Well, thank you. It's such an amazing story for a young copper to live through this experience and to be still working with it though is amazing. So well done and I look forward to catching up with you again at every stage and every yeah. step. No, thank you. Well I really done. appreciate that. And very kind words. And yeah, I'm just grateful that I got to be involved in it. But thanks for having me. And thanks for being so supportive of me during my podcast journey. Thank you to our guest, Jamie Paltz. And thank you to Kira's mum, Alison Russell, for her assistance. Don't forget to check out Beenham Valley Road if you haven't already. And also check out Who Killed Leanne Holland. That's Jamie's other podcast as long as you're not going to troll him about it, please. Thank you to patrons Kerry Bates, V Hexander, Mill Peterson, Smudge Paxton, Tanya Outen and Courtney Malud. And thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.